You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, and this is session number 123. Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at ManiverseSaga.com. We've got Chrissy Viola today, the owner of Nostos Boutique. Nostos is a small, well-loved, and carefully curated WPN premium shop filled with the very best of comics, trading cards, and vintage and modern toys in Ipswich, Massachusetts. I almost always say that wrong. Their tagline is a homecoming for all things pop culture. And we're going to talk about what makes their shop such a vibrant and successful pillar of the community. Welcome to the podcast, Chrissy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you can make it as well. This is going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely. So the things I like to start off with when I have uh, store owners on the podcast is jumping into the origin story of the store. Why did you get into this industry? Like, how did you get... Tell us a little bit about your beginnings and how things got to where they are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I opened back in 2016 um, when I was 26 years old. Um, didn't have a degree in business or anything like that. I was at the time nannying um, full time and kind of had a moment where I realized that, okay, I need to decide what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and so kind of dreaming big, what would be awesome. And at the time I was really into collecting comic books and vintage toys and was traveling around New England, visiting different shops. Um, and I never really found a shop that felt like it was reaching its full, fullest potential. Um, it was all kind of a stereotypical, kind of a little bit dusty, a little bit male oriented a little bit um the typical gamer dungeon typical yes exactly and i i just felt like there was a hole in the industry um where it could be more than that um and i couldn't find that and so i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a shot and i'm gonna i'm gonna open it myself um so i found a beautiful tiny little space in Ipswich um, right on a river with big beautiful windows and hardwood floors and great lighting and I was like okay this I can turn this into something special um, and so I had no investors um, I took um, a little tiny nest egg that I had been saving up um, I think um, maybe ten thousand dollars at most um and was continuing to work 50 hours a week nannying while i opened my shop um and so it was a lot of sweat equity it was a lot of early mornings and late nights running to the shop running around on craigslist to find fixtures and display cases and that sort of stuff um I read a book called The $100 Startup, and that was what really kind of um, opened my eyes to be like, okay, I don't need to have everything figured out. I kind of, if you just go for it and love it and are willing to put in the work, then maybe, maybe you can pull it off. Um, and so 
I actually didn't even know how to play Magic the Gathering when I opened my shop, which is kind of funny where where it is now. Um, it was primarily, it was a comic book and vintage toy shop. And then somebody came in and said, hey, do you, have you ever heard of Magic the Gathering? I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't really, I've never played it before. I kind of had dabbled in the Pokemon card game. Um, and they were like, oh, it's great. Let me teach you. So they brought in some decks. Um, the very first deck I ever played was um, Emrakul Delirium. Um, which if you know anything about uh, magic, that is just a totally bonkers deck. And I was hooked. I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. Um, and so I kind of dove in with two feet and got WPN certified, uh, started hosting drafts, learned how to draft while hosting drafts. <laughs> um, and just, I had a couple of really good people around me who were willing to support um, creating this community um and the way that it's kind of evolved and grown has just been absolutely staggering and now i am a wpn premium store i am a certified uh magic the gathering judge i am um i'm you know seeing tons of growth tons of new players um so it's just it's it's unbelievable how it's kind of started way back then and how it's kind of um, grown into something that's just beyond what I could have dreamed, and I'm just so grateful. That's really interesting, too, just to note the fact that uh, the common wisdom, at least at this point in this day and age, is uh, start with a big budget. And if you're yeah. starting with that shoestring budget, you're going to have a very tough time. So it's really interesting to hear that you start off, you know, bootstrapping like, yeah. like the old <laughs> days, like a lot of uh, a lot of store owners did, you know, 2000s or like the 1990s. Right, right. Yeah. No, I just, I knew that I, just for the, my future and I, um, I knew that I didn't want to go into debt. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I just knew that there was an opening there for something that the community I felt like needed. Um, and I had the desire to try, but if I went into debt and it failed, then that didn't seem like it was going to be a wise decision so I was like if I just put in a lot of work like I was newly married didn't have uh, my daughter yet and so I was like okay I am in a position in my life that I can just hustle and and see if I can pull it off um, and it worked <laughs> so what was the initial early days like when you like got the store or you got the location you figured all of this yeah. out and you're like okay I'm gonna make a go of it what was that uh, those first like 12 months like yeah, it was, it was intense. Um, like I said, I was still working full time. So I was only open uh, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and a little bit on Mondays. Um, and so I would, you know, go to my day job. Um, and, and, you know, uh, then I would be done with that at 6pm. And I would go run over to the shop and I would be painting or I would be assembling ikea furniture or um scrubbing you know craigslist furniture and unpacking boxes and trying to figure out um distribution and all that sort of mm. the the logistical kind of you have to know what you're doing um to open a business and do all the paperwork and all that sort of stuff and i was googling and reading books and trying to just kind of wrap my head around how all of that worked because i didn't have any experience with any of that um and just going to bed at midnight and waking up at six and diving right back in again um and 
you know, eating takeout on the floor of the shop before I had furniture and um, all that sort of stuff. It was kind of, it sounds poetic now, but in the, in the moment, it was just kind of just a lot of, it was a lot of work. And I, I knew that I had to really, really love it to kind of, to put in that much, that much time. And my, I did, my husband helped me as much as he was able to, um, his schedule um, kind of ebbs and flows. He's a college basketball coach. Um, so I was grateful to him to be able to help me as much as he was able to in the, in the early days. Um, but, and then the community in Ipswich, like the, my kind of early initial players were just so great. They were um, answering my questions and being patient with me as I was trying to figure out um, how to run events. And, and um, I'm so, I'm so grateful to those early, um, those early players who kind of the community wouldn't be what it was, what it is without them either. It kind of took you under the wing, saw that you were doing exactly. something that they really wanted to see happen and kind of wanted yes. to help you kind of get there. Exactly. That's fantastic. Did you do any uh, like promotion or like, did you talk to the community in a sense to be like, okay, so what kind of stuff are you looking for? What kind of games do you want to support? Or did it just sort of happen organically as you were building? When I opened, I had visited a couple of other shops. Um, there's there not really any um, shop. There wasn't in the, at the time any shops like this in the immediate area, probably like a couple towns over maybe. Um, so I kind of visited those just to get an idea of what what was popular, what was, um, what, um, I talked to a couple of store owners, asked about distribution and things like that. Um, but as far as the community itself, I kind of, like I said, opened small and didn't invest a ton into inventory. It was a little sparse um, when I first opened and just kind of, as people started discovering that I was there, asked what are people looking for and kind of just in natural conversations figured out like, oh, this is something that people like, this is something that people don't. Um, and the shop has really evolved. So like I said, I started with comic books and vintage toys. Now that's maybe 5% of what the shop is. Um, now it's more, it's, I mean, it's all magic. And then there's Pokemon and Dungeons and Dragons and board games. And then I've held on to a little bit of that vintage toy stuff just because it's special to me. Um, but, but the, and people do like seeing it, but it's not a kind of, high point of the business, I would say. Um, it's more, now the community is the kind of selling point of the shop. Mm, I think that's a really good point to kind of segue into describing the shop. Cause I think the way that you've built it, the aesthetic <laughs> and the, the style, the, the culture that you've created is yeah. different from the way that most people think of game stores. Cause I think you've, you've done something that's at a higher level than like, you know, you described the gamer dungeon before. You're nowhere near right. where that, like you obviously went for the opposite end of that yes. idea, right? So uh, describe what the store is like and like how it's presented and how the community has responded to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my store name is Nostos Boutique, which um, nine times out of 10, you walk past that and you would not think Magic the Gathering store. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any other Magic the Gathering stores that are called Boutique. Um, but a boutique is just a small specialized store. That's the definition of the word boutique. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be clothes and makeup. It can be games and magic. Um, and so I really, when I was thinking of what I wanted to name the shop, I wanted something that didn't scream gamer dungeon. Um, I didn't want something that had 
a dragon in the name or like something like that. Um, I wanted it to be a little bit vague um, because I wanted to kind of draw people in and intrigue you and be like, oh, what is this? There's a stormtrooper outside, but it's called the boutique. Like, what does that mean? Um, and and so the word Nostos means homecoming. Um, it's, so I really kind of built the whole shop around that vibe of just something that you want to return back to, something that is nostalgic. The Nostos is where we get the word nostalgia from. So I wanted something that felt like home, that felt like returning to something, longing for those kind of best days of your childhood and just kind of returning to that kind of simple joy. Um, and so that was my big motivation and kind of the, I guess the keywords that I kind of wanted to build the shop around. So um, I, when you're playing magic, you're gonna spend a period of time inside the shop. Like you're gonna be there for a draft for a good three hours. And so you want it to be a space that you want to spend time in. So I have curtains and plants and like good lighting and clean tables and chairs that all match in our, it's like, um, light wood and colorful chairs and just kind of a, an aesthetic that you want to like you feel like okay I can like be comfortable here I light a candle so it smells nice all the time um and I feel like if you present a space that is kind of higher like you had said the people kind of rise to the occasion um and mm. so if you have a space that is clean then people are going to want to keep it clean and they're going to want to um I have shop rules where I tell you to watch your language. Um, and I feel like I've got people who come specifically because they know that it's a safe space where people are gonna be respectful um, for both me towards them and other players are gonna be respectful towards each other. And I just feel like, yeah, like if you set the bar high, people will rise to it. Where if you just kind of expect the worst of people and just like, oh, people are just gonna show up and they're just gonna play then people will kind of settle to where where the expectation is set. Um, and so that's something that's really important to me. And I've had so many people um, that their first experience playing in a magic shop is in my shop because their friend or their partner or their parent um, says, hey, this is different. Like you'll be able to come here and you'll be able to play here and have a good experience. And I know that and I know that people will be respectful people. If you make a mistake, they'll help you. Like it's collaborative. Like there's, I mean, everyone plays is good um, and there's competition for sure, but there's also collaboration. Um, and I think that that is just so important because if you have a bunch of kind of MTG grinders who just want to win at all costs, then it's not necessarily a welcoming environment to someone who is learning or someone who might be intimidated to play in a game stop that's not to say i mean i'm making a generalization and that's probably not fair um but um there are some there are some stores that that is kind of their vibe um and i wanted to do something different and i feel like if you just set that expectation then um then that's what you could get um and i found that and i run special events that um are for new players i run an event called visible that's for um, players of marginalized genders um, and that sort of stuff I feel like kind of lets people know what I'm about um, for better or worse and so if people are into that and are on board with that then they'll come and if they're not then they won't and um, 
no love loss, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's kind of what you want in a lot of ways. That, exactly. Like, that's the best part of marketing and putting out your 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 image and everything that you're doing is that you know you draw on the people that you want to draw in, and then the people that are not for you and you're not for them, that's okay. They go somewhere else. Exactly. Right? But you kind of like polarize that way. Yes, and I think that prioritizing people above all else um, is what has kind of gotten me there. Like if I wanted to make the most sales and if I wanted to get the most people in the shop, then maybe I wouldn't make all the decisions that I'm making. But where the community and the people are the most important thing, I'm willing to um, make those exceptions. Like I have some players who are immunocompromised, so I still require masks for my events. Um, and that keeps some people away because they're not interested in wearing a mask while they're playing. But um, because I want to protect those people in my community who would not be able to come otherwise, the people around me who are willing to make that sacrifice um, for those people are willing to do that and those who aren't don't um, and play elsewhere. And that's fine with me because, like I said, I want to prioritize the people who, are, who make my community so great. This, this, just thinking as we were talking about this, this is like a, a great lesson on branding and culture design. Because like yeah. a lot of stores kind of, they start up with the idea of like, I'm going to sell games, I'm going to sell board games, magic, Pokemon, whatever. And yeah. they feel like they are defined by their products. And in a yeah. sense, you know, game stores are defined by their products, but not entirely. Yeah. You can be something exactly. very different. Like the encapsulation of what you're doing is, is essentially... Uh, some something very different from what most people think of when they think of board game store, right? Mm -hmm. You think of the typical retail location or even something worse than that, possibly. That might right. be the, the default assumption. But you've created something where people have, they've come together to kind of, like you said, mm -hmm. collaboratively create what you're doing at the same time. Yeah. They've invested in themselves in the business and they've invested their time exactly. and the best game stores, and it sounds like you're you're along those lines, is that they become like part of your personality, part of your identity. When you're a customer, you're like, I, this is where I go, and this is who I want to be seen as. I participate yeah. here, and I play this way, and I I build like I I collaborate, right? I build people up rather than I'm the shark or whatever like that, right? Like exactly. Uh, so it's a it sounds like you've created a very unique space that makes people you know happy to come and support you. Which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm. I'm so. I'm, I feel so privileged. Um, honestly, um, especially like I got um, WPM Premium certified in February of 2020. Um, so it was. I invested and spent so much time. It took me a good six, eight months of going through the process to get WPM Premium certified, and finally got it. And then, literally three weeks later we shut down because of COVID. Um, and yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but again, the community kind of rallied and I brought all my inventory home on a folding table in my bedroom and me and my husband did deliveries. Um, we, there was one day we did 50 deliveries in a day for a pre-release and people just kind of put in their orders by messaging or emailing and we had a spreadsheet and it was all kind of very grassroots, but the community just rallied around us. And that's why so many other game shops were not as fortunate as me. And I was able to come through it even stronger. I had seen growth because some of my 
um, the people in my community talked to their friends and taught them how to play and said, hey, this is where you want to get your stuff. And so we actually, shockingly, saw a ton of growth while we were closed for COVID because people were like, okay, we want to keep this store open. We want to kind of keep this going. Um, and that's, we got, got through it. You can get a proven digital marketing strategy implemented for your game store in the next 24 hours that generates sales and grows your email list at the same time. Using a powerful combination of Facebook and Google ads and email automation, we can plug in our proven digital marketing system and start driving sales and growing an email list for your game store almost immediately, all without you having to write a single ad or newsletter. Of all the strategies we've implemented for game store owners, this particular combo is my favorite. I love being able to generate results quickly and measurably, and our clients love it too. If you want to find out how we can plug this system into your business in the next 24 hours, go to maniversaga.com forward slash autopilot and book a quick consultation call. We'll ask a few questions to see if we're a good fit, and then jump into implementing everything right away. No long setup times, no major commitments, and no tech headaches. That's maniversaga.com forward slash autopilot. That, that's... That's excellent. The fact that you've been able to thrive through something which has uh, punished a lot of a lot of businesses yeah, over the no, past couple yeah. of years. That's uh, it's pretty incredible. Do you feel like that's part of the or the reason because of that is uh, the culture that you've created that you've created this space that people want to support that they go out of their way to make sure that it's uh, you know it's still successful despite the fact that they can't or they couldn't come visit the store. I think so. I mean, I think people saw Nostos as something, an essential thing in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and they realized that even if they couldn't come and we were doing some like arena online things and I tried streaming a couple times and, and stuff like that, just to kind of keep the community engaged and connected. Um, but, but yeah, I think because the community and the culture was so strong before we shut down, um, people realized that they needed to go out of their way to kind of help keep it going. Um, so we would be there when things reopened back up. Yeah, that's a, a testament to what you've built. And then also the power of word of mouth, right? Like you've actually yes. got people who go out there and say, hey, you know, this is a great game. Let me teach you how to play Magic. But also, this is the story you're going to go go find it yeah. and go play at. Those two things aren't always linked, and that's a really good sign that your customers obviously really care about what you're doing, and you're doing something you know, more than just you're just another place to buy their favorite hobby, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can buying from a local game store is not the most um, cost-effective way to get your cards. I mean, we all know that there are platforms online that you can get cards for cheaper than my wholesale cost sometimes. Um, yeah. But, but people kind of realize that you're, you're a part of something. And by paying a little more for a box of cards, say you're gaining more than just those cards. And I think that it's really amazing that people have kind of been able to not only realize and acknowledge that, but kind of rally around that. Um, and I, like I keep saying, I'm just so grateful. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's incredible. And that's a very common complaint for store owners is that, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it's it's a very challenging environment, especially over the last few years with the proliferation of uh, certain services yeah. and certain platforms, yeah. right? 
and the ease yeah. with which you know players if they want to they can access cards at a lower price and mm-hmm. price competition is it's a it's a major yeah. problem for it for is. game stores in general but it's been exacerbated over the last little while uh but yeah, yeah it's 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 a really good indicator that people will voluntarily come to your store and choose to shop with you over the fact that, you know, they could get it off of, uh, you know, a certain jungle themed website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that it's all sunshine and roses. I mean, there are certainly challenges to owning a game store and maintaining that community. Um, and you have to kind of, not be afraid of conflict, kind of be willing and able to stand up for yourself when you need to and make smart decisions. Um, and so, yeah, you can't just be like, this is what I'm about and everyone's just going to rally around me and everyone's going to buy in immediately. Like um, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to learn um, as I was kind of growing the shop and kind of figuring out, okay, what am I doing? Um, to realize that there are going to be some people that I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, you don't seem like you are buying into what we're doing. I'm going to have to ask you to either change the way that you're behaving or leave. Um, And I have grown a lot in that kind of um, con or um, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess, conflict or, or um, just kind of approaching difficult situations and standing up for, Um, what we believe in. Um, But you have to be willing to do that. If you're going to kind of build a community and this culture, you have to be able to stand up for it. Um, And that is hard. I mean, who, who likes conflicts? Like you would like it if everyone can just kind of all get along and buy in immediately and understand immediately what's going on. But that's not always the case. You have to believe in what you're doing enough to be willing to kind of have those difficult conversations because if you don't believe it enough and you don't want to protect it and work to protect it then it's all going to fall apart i mean it doesn't just happen kind of on its own um and that was something that was kind of really important for me to learn and i guess i don't you don't want to let people get away with kind of gradually lowering that bar um because it can happen without you even realizing it. And all of a sudden you didn't tell one person to change the way they're speaking and they think they can get away with that. And so then the next time they try something, it's like toddlers sometimes. Like I have a four-year-old and she pushes her luck with uh, what she can get away with. And if you let her get away with something, then she'll try the next thing. Um, And I think that's just human nature. Um, And so not that you want to like, parent your community but at the same point you have to remind them like at the start of every single event i remind everyone to be respectful of each other and of me and of the space um and i think even if it my regulars hear it every single week um it's important to continue saying that to continue reminding people of that um just so they know that the expectation is there every single time they come um because yeah if you if you kind of let things slide then things will just continue to slide that's just the way that the world is yeah, um, that's the nature of entropy right it's just the way exactly, exactly. things go and if you don't weed your garden yeah. then the weeds will take over and exactly that's just the way it is if you want a culture 
that's supportive and happy and collaborative and positive, then you need to curate it sometimes and you need to be willing to do that. And that is a very challenging thing. I think even people who like to argue and fight, I don't think particularly like that kind of conflict because it's, it's uncomfortable to confront somebody and say, Hey, you know, I don't like the way that you're interacting right now with this person, you know, isn't really nice. I, you know, we don't really go for that kind of thing. And that's not really what we're, tr- right. what we're trying to do here. And asking somebody to change and change their behavior can be difficult, especially if they're <laughs> unwilling, right? That's another whole, right. whole other can of worms. Cause sometimes the person's like, Absolutely. oh no, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I guess other than like you said, uh, announcing at the beginning of events to be, you know, reminding the people of like your code of conduct or something like that mm-hmm. along those lines. Uh, what else do you do to kind of curate this culture and make sure that, you know, the, the community stays on board with what you're trying to go for? Well, like I keep saying, I have kind of a core group of players who come to a lot of my events and there's probably 20 of them um, who come to various events and kind of are unnamed ambassadors. So they have been playing at Nostos for years. They buy into what we're doing. Um, they want to protect it as much as I do. And so if I'm I'm the only employee, I'm the only person who runs events, I don't have any staff or anything like that, it's just me. And so I think that helps a lot that people know that I will be there every time. I know their names, I know their, like I know every, like I know them and they know me. And so I think that kind of helps, but then I mean, I have 24, I have room for 24 players in my shop. I am sometimes working a counter, running an event at the same time. And so having other members of my community who will see things that happen during events and are willing and able to say, hey, actually, no, we don't do that here. Um, So it's not just like kind of me, it's Mm. all of us who are helping raise each other up. Um, I think that's been huge. and then I think just like I said, with the clean space, with people knowing the type of events that I run with um, the people who are at my shop, like I have all age ranges, I have all genders, I have all like I have so many different types of people who play. And I think that kind of when you're surrounded by people who don't look like you and aren't a carbon copy of you, I think that kind of helps people behave differently too. And they kind of Mm. want to present themselves in the best way. Um, And so I think it's a combination of all of those things. But I would say the biggest thing on top of just kind of me always being there and people knowing the expectations that I set um, and then having those other members of my community who are willing to kind of call out things and help elevate people as well, even if I miss something um, is really important as well. Yeah, I like the way that you described it, the ambassadors of your brand, yeah. the ambassadors of the business. Yeah. You've got this, you know, voluntary team of people who want to yeah. kind of reinforce the culture and keep the mm-hmm. momentum going and keep the spirit of the, the business alive. That's a, yeah. again, it's, it's a really hard thing to create, right? A lot of stores struggle to do this. And to create this kind of a connection to the point where your customers will go out and not only recommend you to their friends and say, Hey, this is where you're, you know, you're going to shop with them, but also managing and helping, helping reinforce the idea of the store and the, the spirit of what you're trying to achieve. And that's, that's, that's a great achievement on its own. Just having out of people who are willing to do that. That's, 
that's a, a major yeah, challenge. No, it's, it is. Never, never I think just if you show people that you care about them, then that does wonders. And you do care about them. You don't care if they come in and don't buy something. Like you just want to see them because you know them and they know you. Um, and I think it sounds silly and simplistic, but just treating people like human beings and genuinely caring about them. I think that goes farther than we can possibly imagine. I mean, the world is such a, it's a tough place. I mean, it's, it's hard to be a human. Um, and yeah. I think that people don't always remember or recognize or realize that you don't know what's going on in someone's life. Like you don't know where they're at, but you know, they're here in front of you right now and they want to have a good time and they want to just connect. Um, and whether it's through Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering, like the medium doesn't matter as much as the people and the connection matters. And I think that's the thing that has made Nostro so special. Like, yes, Magic is a great game. Like it's so fun and it is, it's the, I think it's the best game in the whole world, but it could be anything. Like what's important is the people. And if Magic the Gathering ceased to exist, I think these connections would stay. And I think that you have to kind of remember that and work towards that, that the people are the most important thing. So we talked a little bit about some of the challenges. We've talked a little bit about some mm -hmm. of the really like spectacular achievements, the cool stuff that you've done so far, the, the interesting things uh, that you've got, uh, you've got going on at the shop. What's so we're in 2023 at this point, just the yeah. beginning of the year, you know, fresh start January. What's the plan for the future? What do you what do you That's envision going on question. for the next couple of years? That's a really great question. Um, and something I'm kind of wrestling with myself. Um, I'm kind of at a point in my life. I have a four year old. I the shop is kind of at its capacity as far as space. So the dream is to find some like minded people to bring alongside me and find a bigger space and expand. Um, the reality of that is we'll see how it goes, but that is kind of the dream. I, as a sole proprietor and a mom, there are challenges. My kid gets sick and I have to close. Um, and so that has been kind of, as my daughter gets older, has been something that she needs more and the shop needs more and I can only do so much. Um, and so just trying to figure out the best way to kind of take that step. And I've been talking with some people in the community to try and figure out how we go about kind of doing that. But that is eventually the goal is to um, continue growing. Um, my shop right now is 580 square feet. Um, it is laid out as ideally as possible, but I just can't fit any more tables in my current space. And I love my space. I love being right on the river, but, but I feel like now, seven years into this, um, I know enough of how to kind of start in a new space. So, um, and keep kind of the same aesthetic and keep the same vibe um, while growing. And so, yeah, the goal is to is to eventually just keep growing. Interesting. So the idea is to is to find a new place and try to keep keep the momentum going. Keep the main maintain yeah. the same brand maintain the aesthetic the 
the culture and just transplant it yeah. to somewhere more, you know, expansive, somewhere that you can uh, yeah. fit more of everything into. Just a little elbow room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. Cause that's, it's when you start a business, it's a challenge on its own, right? You have to learn so mm -hmm. much in those first 12 months, right? It's completely yeah. different from, you know, just being, uh, being in a career or, or your typical job. Right. Like, so many things to learn. But then, you know, five to seven years later, it's almost like you have to relearn a whole new skill set to to grow yeah. past a certain point. Like it's yeah. there are levels of of running a business and being an entrepreneur that uh, you don't discover until like much later. And it's really interesting to to see like the skills that got you to where you are now and the way that you've approached yeah. things. Now you need to like add some stuff to bolt it on to, exactly. get to the next level, right? The next stage of uh, stage of the business. Yeah, I feel like I'm at this kind of threshold and need to figure out what I need to learn and what I need to do to kind of cross that threshold. Um, but I, I, I do, I feel like I'm back when I first opened and kind of trying to figure out what that looks like. And yeah. I don't know. And so I have to, I have to learn and, and, you know, hope that the people around me can, can help me the way that they have. And, um, that I can put in the, put in the work and put in the time to kind of figure out how to take that next step. For somebody who's listening to this and they're, they're feeling inspired. They're like, Oh, this sounds really cool. This is exactly what I wanted to do. This is really interesting. You know, like people, because there's, I think for every game store owner, there's probably like a hundred people who are like, this sounds like a great idea. This is exactly what I want right. to do with my life. Right. Yeah. So anyone who's in that stage where they're thinking this mm -hmm. sounds fantastic. This is exactly the kind of business that I've imagined. Uh, you know, I want to like do something similar. I want to figure something out. What advice would you give someone now? You know, you've been in here for, you've been doing this for seven years. It's a different time. Yeah. 2016 was very different from yeah. 2023. Yeah. What would you, what kind of advice would you give the listener who's thinking that like, okay, this is really good, a really good idea. I've got some cash set aside. Mm -hmm. I want to make a go of this. What would you tell them? Oh man. Um, that's a great question. I think starting small and not being afraid, like acknowledging that it is a lot of work and that you have to not shy away from it. But I think if you go in, you're like, I'm going to order $50,000 worth of inventory to open my shop. Like, I think that that is dangerous to use a strong word. I think that that's, um, I think you have to start small. If you think that you want to um, open a game store, start now, like start just kind of when the, when there's a closeout sale somewhere, like order a couple extra boxes and sit on them for when you open your store. Um, kind of start planning out your aesthetic and you don't need to go to like retailers are us, like go to Ikea, go to, Craigslist go to like places like I think starting small and manageable and what you think that you can handle yourself is huge because I think one of the biggest things for me is that I didn't hire a staff right off the bat because then I'm responsible for myself and my own income and my own survival and then I also have these other people that I'm responsible for and the pressure and the responsibility of that I think as I was starting out and was kind of trying to figure things out if I had had that on my plate as well I don't know if I would have been able to bear that I think that yeah like I said that book the hundred dollar startup is if you just take what you have and what you can offer 
and start there, then I think that that is a lot wiser than mm. jumping in with a big investment and being like, I'm going to do this. I love magic. And so I'm going to open a magic store. Like I don't play magic that much anymore. Like I, I love it, but I don't get to play very much. Like if you think I, I'm a great magic player and I love magic. And so I'm going to open a game store so I can hang out with all my friends and play magic. Like that is not the reality of it. Like yeah, that's it's not, it's, no, no, not at all. And you hear people talking about, oh, I, I'm going to open a shop someday. And I was like, that's great. Like, you should if you really want to. But I think that you think you're going to open Nostos 2.0 and you're going to get to show up and all your friends will be there. And you're just going to get to make money while you play magic. Um, and I think that that is, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you think that that is... Um, how it's going to be because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of card sorting. It is a lot of holding your breath and hoping that you ordered correctly when the new set comes out and you have to get your numbers in before you know any of the cards. Um, that sort of stuff. Like there is, or a set flops and you have boxes on boxes of it and you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to pay this invoice? Um, and I think those sort of challenges and decisions you have to factor in. It's not like, I know we've been talking all about the amazing, incredible things that I've been so lucky to be a part of with this store, but it's not all that. And I think having a realistic, like, again, if it's your passion, if you love it, if you're willing to, if you love people and you want love community and you really care about the people around you and you see an opening and the other like go for it for sure but also you want to be realistic about it and just take on what you can handle or if you've got a group of people who want to open a store and you know okay this person's strong suit is the business side and my strong suit is the community side then you just kind of don't take on more than you can handle and have a realistic understanding of what you can handle, I think would be the biggest things. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I, I know a lot of store owners will put that out there that, you know, it's not all fun and games, ironically enough. It's not all fun and games. Right. It's a lot of work. It's a huge amount of work. Yeah. And like you're, yeah. you have to understand what that is like before you jump in. But I also really like the idea of, I think one of the major indicators of whether or not somebody will be successful and like thriving. Like you can be successful and unhappy too, right? Like that's a possibility, yeah. but successful and thriving and in really enjoying the process is whether or not you like people instead of really liking the games. Like if you really like yeah. certain games, like you said, like if you're a really great magic player and you just want to play magic all day, go do that. You don't need a business. You don't need yeah. a store to go do that. You right. can just do that in another right. avenue, not have to, to risk everything in order to make that happen. Exactly. Like, exactly. and, and not only that, if you go the business route, you probably won't get what you actually think you're going to get. You're right. not going to end up yeah. being the, you know, playing magic all day kind of person because yeah. of the work involved. But if yeah. you like the people, if that's what you really enjoy, like the one thing that I always kind of, the persona that I always had in mind for the, some of the most successful store owners is the idea of the host. Somebody who's like bringing yeah. them in to their space and then welcoming them and like, okay, so I'm going to take care of you. I got this thing. Let's, let's yeah. do some fun. Let's have some fun. Let's talk. Let's, you know, be together as people. Right. And then yeah. it happens. The, the space that that happens to be is, you know, the game store and the function yeah. is the, the playing together. 
But if you have that personality that you're willing to host people, that you, that you love that, you love being around people, then you have a really good chance that if you can support that with, you know, all the other business skills that you need to learn yeah. in the meantime, if you can put all that stuff together, you have a really good chance of succeeding and in do in building something long-term. That's not just a great place for people to play, not just a great store, but also like it's, you know, financially viable, right? Like it supports you. Yeah. It, it gives you an income. It yeah. makes you personally successful because that's ultimately that yeah. that's a really big part of you know why we become business owners in the first place yeah like it's yeah. there's all the good stuff and then money is there too that's a really really big yeah. important oh, for part sure. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. and then i i just wanted to also touch on the fact that uh like do you feel like if you start small in the way that you did and like literally small like a small space yeah. you know yeah. narrow uh like a tiny amount comparatively to uh, what I would say is the prevailing wisdom of like, oh, you know, you don't go into the game store business without $150,000 to invest, right? Right. Because yeah. you need a big, you need a yeah. retail space that's, you know, a couple hundred or a thousand to 1,500 you yeah. know, square feet. You need shelves, you need chairs, you need fixtures. You need to spend tons of money to make all this stuff happen. Right, right. Are you, you know, is it possible in this day, do you feel like it's possible to start off in the same way that you did? Get a tiny space, get a narrow space that's, you know, only a couple hundred square feet and make it as beautiful and fantastic as possible. Fill it with the best things that you can, but then you're not necessarily risking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, uh, right. of hard-earned money at the same time. Like, is that still a viable option? So I think short answer, yes, but with some caveats. I mean, if there's six other game stores in your town, um, I wouldn't recommend it. Like, I think that I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, there was an opening in the community that it was something that was needed. So if, if you think that there are people who need what you have to offer, yes. But if there's another thriving game store and you're just like, I want to open a game store, mm. then I don't know if that will work. But um, I think that in the right environment, I absolutely think that it can work. Um, I think you just have to do your research. I think you have to just, um, when I opened the nearest game store was 30 miles away. There have been a couple that have opened since I opened it, like closer to me. Um, but at that point, my community was established and, um, those other stores are very different from mine. Um, and so there is room for all of us um, in our own kind of what we're catering to. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, I think it's kind of the only way to, to start right now. I mean, there's so much out there. There's so many ways to kind of get your cards. There's so many things to do um, and so if people are going to choose to spend their time with you, um, you have to do, do something special. You can't do something cookie cutter. Um, mm. I think that making it unique, making it about people, starting small, like nobody wants to go to a brand new store that's thousands of square feet and there's only six people there. Like it just feels uncomfortable. But if you're in somewhere that's like smaller and cozy and like you feel like, I don't know, I just, I think the vibe is better. Um, I think that if it feels 
small and it feels like it's something that you can all grow together and it's unique and it's um I think that that is I don't want to say it's the only way to go but I think that it's definitely a viable way if the communities need something like that I think that's a very good good way to put it and a good caveat is to like okay well look at the rest of the market first before yeah. you dive into something and that's a a major component and you definitely need to do a little bit of market research at the beginning just yes. to make sure that you're not <laughs> like don't don't open a game store just for the sake of opening a game store just because that's yeah. what you really want to do find a city or a town that doesn't have too much competition because there is a you know diminishing returns there's going to be problems Absolutely. where you're just going to be stepping on toes and fighting yeah. for the same base uh, that being right. said, I do want so many yeah. players. Exactly, exactly. And like, you can make players, you can make you know new customers, yeah, but it sure. takes time, right? And it's hard to grow that yeah. pie. And uh, in the yeah. meantime, you're going to be like beating each other up for the same group. So, not the right, greatest right. way to get th kick things off. And uh, no, I just want to no, ask, make you any so friends. how many? What's the population of Ipswich? How did uh, like what does that look like for like the gamers to mainstreamers and like that kind of thing? That's a great question. Um, so Ipswich is a tiny kind of quintessential New England town. There's, I believe it's less than 20,000 people in the town as a whole. Um, so having, being small, kind of being, I like I said, I have a seat for 24 players. Um, commander days, we fill up. Um, other days, we don't. Um, but people come from all over. So I get players from 50 miles away who will drive because they want to be a part of this community. And then I get people who walk um, to the shop um, who live right up the hill. Um, so it doesn't have to necessarily be like the specific town. You can kind of look and see what else is around you, especially if you're in kind of an environment for a more rural area, it might be more challenging. I don't really know for New England and for Massachusetts, um, I think that having something unique is enough that people will come to you, um, even if they're somewhere closer. Um, and I think that that is, has been amazing. I get people from New Hampshire, I get people from Rhode Island, I get people from, like I get, I get people from all around, um, which is just a huge blessing, um, but I wasn't even a game store. I didn't even play Magic when I opened. So it kind of, the community has grown, I think, a lot from my existing. Like I said, a lot of people learned how to play Magic yeah. at Nostos and have only ever played at Nostos. Um, I mean, I have some players who have played elsewhere, but a fairly decent percentage, I would say, only play here. And, and I think... Like right. You created this community. A lot of these people yeah. would not, may, well, hypothetically, might not ever have been exposed to magic and gotten involved yeah. if it wasn't for yeah. the fact that the store existed in the environment that you created, made it happen or made it possible for them to get into it. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of really special is that as much as we have these players who might not be as experienced, they also don't have some of the bad habits that you can pick up from playing all over the place. Like we kind of they're a Nostos player. And so they've only ever known this type of community. And so they, like, I have a 14 year old player who learned how to play magic online over COVID with our online events. His brother had played in the store and now he's top eighting um, regional championship qualifiers, like multiple. 
And so just because you are younger or just learned how to play doesn't mean that you can't, if you have a collaborative community around you, you can still have that competition. You can still have players who know what they're doing. It's not going to be all like kids that you're, who are misplaying and you're teaching them how to play. I think um, that because of the collaboration, it kind of, the gameplay is better too, because there's a respect there and there's also, um, you help each other get better. And so if everyone is helping each other get better, then you're going to get better. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that's really special too. Um, and then like we have our commander community, which commander for magic is just absolutely exploded um, as I'm sure everyone knows and acknowledges. Um, and so curating the pods of commander so that you're not showing up with your pre-constructed deck and getting just wrecked by someone who's been playing for years and has a thousands and thousands of dollar deck which happens you hear about it happening all the time in stores and i just can't wrap my head around it because i don't understand why you wouldn't want to just put in a little bit of extra work to figure to look through a deck and be like okay this is the power level that this is this is who you're going to play with and you're all going to have a good game like that sort of stuff i think mm -hmm. is just huge for a community and for keeping magic players invested and wanting to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good point there is that competition and collaboration don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. Like you can, you can have a very competitive exactly. space, but not in the bad way where people are just trying to shark each other, but in the good way where everyone's building each other up and becoming better together. And I think that's a exactly. really, that's exactly. a really tough balance to achieve. It but it sounds also like really effective if you can get there, right? If you can create that environment yeah. that, that promotes and some that. days are better than others as far as that. Some days you yeah, get someone who really wants to win and they're upset that they don't and they're not flipping tables, but they're, they're, they got a little chip on their shoulder and that's okay. And we can kind of work through that. But, um, but yeah, I think just respecting each other is the biggest part of that. And you can be, overly happy that you won and overly disappointed that you lost and still respect each other and kind of step away and work through that and say, okay, good game. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to the uniqueness of the brand. And like you mentioned specifically the word unique and the idea of like, oh, there's the whole unique selling point, you know, the, the, uh, the thing that makes your store different from just another retail mm -hmm. store or another game store. I think that is something that's very hard to do because it's really hard to qualify. Like, it's very hard to be unique. There's so many variations of things yeah. nowadays that it's just really hard to come up with a unique prosper, a unique idea that really differentiates your game store from, you know, the, the other options. But it yeah. sounds like that that's what's happened, that you've managed to create something <laughs> that is actually unique that players can't find anywhere else. Like at least, you know, anywhere within the, couple hundred miles or something like that right like yeah. they come to nostos for the very unique environment that's there and that's one of the things that seems to be really contributing to this growth and this overall success yeah. and that's that's yeah that's incredible it's i'm very happy that we were able to connect on this and that uh you're you've been so generous in sharing like the the the, the things that you've built in the store and the what what makes it so special so thank you no and thank you i when I got your email, I was like, oh, a little old me, they want to talk to me. But um, for someone to acknowledge that there is something special here, um, I, it's, it is, it's amazing. And, and it's, it, it's not just me. I mean, I, 
I, it's, it's such, it's, it's beyond what I ever could have imagined. And so I am, I'm just privileged to be a part of it. Excellent. All right. So I want to wrap up with the same question that I ask everybody. I always want to like leave off the podcast with the same essential, you know, points. Uh, basically what I want to know is, uh, success. Success is a very ambiguous term, very personal, can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And ultimately we're, we're talking about what it takes to make a successful game store. So in your words, from your perspective, what does it mean to be successful with Nostos? Um, I think that success looks like players feeling like they've found a home, players feeling like they have connected and wanting to be a part of something bigger than themselves and investing in that, um, both financially so I can pay my bills and also with their own passion and their own um, desire to see other people get better and to just kind of rally around and support each other. Um, like I'm not expecting to be a billionaire off of owning this store. What I'm expecting and hoping and desiring and what I've experienced is that genuine connections are made and human beings are being the best versions of themselves and are helping other people be the same. And also, you know, paying my bills and um, being able to do this full time, um, which is such a privilege um, to be able to do that. If the people didn't care about each other and if I didn't care about them, then I think all the money in the world wouldn't make me feel successful. I think that, I know, and I keep, I keep saying it, but it is, it's the people that make it nostos. And I think that's what it means. That's an excellent point to wrap up on. So before we go, where can people find out more about Nostos and where can they connect with you? Uh, yeah, so um, I am on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Nostos Boutique, N-O-S-T-O-S. Um, also my website, uh, nostosboutique.com. Um, but yeah, if you message on social media, you will get directly to me. Um, and I will message you directly back. Um, so I would love to um, chat more with anyone who wants to reach out for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. This was great. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That's it for today's episode of the Maniverse podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, we'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. If you want to level up your marketing in 2023, check out the complete FLGS digital marketing course. The course is broken out into 21 days, and each day there's a relatively short video walking you through one particular strategy or tool for you to implement in your business specific to the game store industry. By the end of the 21 days, you'll have all the pieces of a digital marketing puzzle put together for your game store. It's everything that we put into practice for our clients and the perfect way to kickstart 2023 for your game store. You can enroll in the course right now by going to maniversaga.com forward slash FLGS. Thanks again for listening to today's show. I'm Tom Traplin. I've been your host, and we'll talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Thank you.